Hey, everybody. Thanks for subscribing to the Front Row Knowles podcast. Hope you're tuning in to listen on Real Talk Tallahassee 93.3 if you're in Tallahassee on a weekly basis, Wednesdays at noon. Also want to thank Seminole Boosters. Reminder, uh, if you're not already a member, jump on board to help make a great brand even greater. And don't forget, there are tickets available for Florida State's games this season. Just go to Seminoles.com backslash tickets to grab yours. That said, enjoy this week's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. This is Front Row Knowles. KJ, how are you, sir? Mixed emotions, Tommy. Mixed emotions. I feel like that's two out of three weeks or something that you've had mixed emotions. What's well, going if on? It's some, if it's something outside, it's good. If it's something inside, it's not so good. That is true. We're talking about on the diamond versus on the hardwood. I understand. I we'll we'll talk with Bob Frante later in our program, our Osceola Insider, and dive deeper into basketball. It was a it was a tough road weekend, but Honestly, Keith, if you're down four starters or five starters, as it were, against Duke, and then another guy goes out and sits the whole first half, I, I don't know what you can expect. I, I will say this, and again, we'll talk about with him. I do like what I've seen from Morley, and Cleveland had a good game on Monday night, and assuming he comes back, you could see those two becoming a pretty formidable pair in the backcourt. I got no problem with the effort. The effort, the effort has not been an issue, but it absolutely. You talk about being snake bit and – and just, you know, every bad thing that could happen, happen. Uh, Coach Hamilton and his staff and these players have faced it on the on the basketball side. And, and it's just disheartening. I, I just feel for them. So let's talk about outside stuff, right? We'll save the hard conversations for uh, when Bob joins us later on. The uh, baseball team got off to a good start this weekend. Softball team did as well. We will have the voice of the Seminole baseball team, Eric Allen, join us next segment. And we'll uh, – We've talked a lot of baseball of late, but there there seems to be good energy and uh, about what what lies ahead. And there's always great energy with Lonnie's team. And it's tough to to play five games against ranked opponents and win them all, but that's what they did. So they certainly got off to a good start. Kathy and I set up on Sunday watching the UCLA game, and you know it got into extra innings and all the talk about you know walk offs and you and I disagreeing on that. We'll just call that a win. We'll just call that a win. That it will go down as a win, just like today's show. And we'll continue right after this on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, baseball season is here. It was a glorious weather weekend and a pretty good performance for the Knowles this past weekend as well. Tom Block, Keith Jones, back with you as we open up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline and say hello to the voice of the Seminole baseball team, Eric Allen. Lulu, how are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Doing well. Did you get credit for the weather? Did Meet get that credit? I mean, that was a nice open. That was one of the nicer opening weekends I can remember. Well, I, I, maybe it was birthday weather for him. I, I, I don't know. His birthday was uh, over the weekend, so uh, maybe he ordered up some uh, some good birthday weather. Gotcha. Well, whatever whatever it takes, right? Hey, Lulu, I know there's a lot to like about this team, but for you who follows this so closely and has for years, what excites you about 
what he's put together so far. Not so much. I mean, just uh, they've played three games, but I mean, just in general, you know what he's recruited. What excites you about it? Well, I, you know, I, I think this year you look and, and I think the obvious thing that people are pointing out is the, is the pitching staff. But I, I, I talked about this quite a bit on the air last night or last night, uh, this past weekend. Um, you know, I, I think the fact that, look, you go back just one year ago and he's fishing to try to get guys that he could put in the lineup that could produce and hit. And, you know, we had Parker Messick in there as a DH. We had Davis Hare in there as a DH. We had Wyatt Crowell play in left field. And so he was, you know, he was grabbing from his pitchers just to try to get uh, productivity out of the lineup. And now this year, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, all right, so Tyler Martin's out, Jordan Carrion's out. And when those guys are back in, you know, it, it's it's going to be a case of, how do I get all these guys on the field rather than what do I do and how do I feel the lineup? And I think to me, that's something that, that I'm very excited about. You know, I'm excited about seeing a, a kid like Jaime Ferrer, who's 215, 220 pounds and can absolutely fly. Uh, seeing a kid like James Tibbs come up there and hit a home run in his first at bat, you know, he's six, one or two and weighs 215, 220 pounds. He, he's, he's put together, in just a year's time, he's managed to put together this big, physical, strong, fast, athletic lineup. And I think that's something that I'm very excited about. Lulu, the two things from a, a critical standpoint from last year was the, the fielding percentage and the strikeouts at, at the plate. I know it's just three games, four games early in the season, but that those two things seem to have kind of rectified themselves, at least in the early going. Do you agree? I, I think it's, well, yes. Uh, from a, a standpoint of what you saw on the field this past weekend, um, you, you look at, at some of those numbers and that's the impression that you get. But I, I think, I, I don't think we know anything about the feeling. Yes, I do believe they will be a much better defensive team, but I don't think you can get anything out of what we saw this past weekend uh, as far as what that means for this team defensively. I, I think at, at one point, uh, actually, I think through the first two games, there were only four ground ball outs. Um, so the, the the defense was not, or, or I should say the infield defense was not really tested at all. Uh, Trayton Rank started at shortstop. He's a true freshman. He didn't get a ground ball until late in the game on Sunday. <laughs> that was the first play wow. he had to make. So I, I don't think you can really read too much into that. They had 47 strikeouts. And uh, I think the first ground ball in game one was the second out of the ninth inning. So uh, that part of it, I I don't think you can uh, tell a whole lot from as far as this team goes. The strikeouts, I I do think that James Madison, I I think the three starters they had were all very good pitchers. Um, And and I don't think that you'll hear a lot about them because they're pitching to James Madison. And and right now they're even technically, they're a, a team without a conference. Uh, they announced that they're leaving the, the Colonial Athletic Association, and the Colonial Athletic Association basically said, well, fine, you guys aren't playing in our postseason tournament. So um, they're headed to the Sun Belt, but if James Madison is going to make the postseason, they're going to have to get an at-large, and that's just not likely to happen for a smaller school like that. But, you know, I, I think their, their starting pitcher on Friday I thought was excellent. He was 92 to 94, a lot of movement. He threw a good hard slider, had good command of his pitches. 
but he's never really been a big strikeout guy. Florida State struck out three times in that game. Uh, the, the lefty they threw on Saturday, uh, he was upper 80s, but really had a lot of movement on the ball and, and, and kind of befuddled our guys a little bit. Um, so I, I do think we saw good starting pitching for James Madison. So I do think that you can look at some of the strikeout numbers from this past weekend and say, okay, maybe they're onto something here. But, I, you know, I also think it's going to be something that is a work in progress as we go. And these guys really just keep buying into what uh, Meet and what uh, Mike Medcalf and, and Jimmy Bellinger and Andrew Amaro are trying to get them to do as a, as a team, as a whole. Lulu, I want to go back to the defense that, that KJ brought up. What's, I, I don't know if Meet publicly would state a number, but what do you think's reasonable or fair for where they could get from a fielding percentage standpoint? I asked that, you know, back when I was doing the games with you, I feel like maybe once in a while there was a team in the low 970s, but more often than not, it was more like 965 to 968. And then we'd play Florida or Virginia and they'd be fielding 982. What, what, what do you think's reasonable in terms of where Meat wants to get them defensively or can? I, you know, I, I don't know that. Does he have a, a number in mind as far as a fielding percentage goes? I, I, I don't know. I've never really asked him that, that pointedly. I, I think it's been more of a case of, you know, let's just see some solid defense and, and look like we know what we're, 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 we're doing out there. Um, I, I do think, you know, that first game, the opener on Friday, Florida State played a clean ball game and, and it, it didn't look like an opening game. Um, now, Saturday and Sunday, there were more hiccups involved. Um, but it just, it felt good to, to have this clean baseball game and feel like, you know, the, the, the team looked, looked like they knew what they were doing and looked like a team that was in the middle of the season and not the beginning of the season. Um, so I, I thought that was great. I, you know, is it, is it 975? Is that the cutoff? I, I don't know that I can give you a number there, but, but to go out there and it, it's make the easy plays, uh, don't throw balls away when you've got time to make a play and, and get to some balls that are, that are tough to get to. And I think if you're seeing that kind of thing, I, I think he's, he's more looking for that than a, a particular set number. Lulu, as we've talked about the, the strength of this team coming into the season is pitching. I mean, all your time watching this squad over the years, ha- have you seen another time when they've got this many arms? Uh, I, the, <laughs> it, it's really hard right now for me to say, wow, you know, th- this is, this is the, the best pitching staff I've ever seen. And, and I, I, you know, I'm hearing some people with that. I'm hearing people talk about best staff in the country. And, and I know Florida state is happy with what they have. Would they trade with anybody else? No, they like their guys. Um, is it, is it going to be the best one, two, three weekend guys? I, well, I don't know. I, you know, we had a staff at one time that had uh, Paul Wilson, Jonathan Johnson, and David Yoakum. Uh, that's a pretty high bar right there. When you, when you, you are go correct. Back far you are correct. <laughs> so, um, is it is it the deepest and potentially best staff we've had in a in a pretty long time? Yeah, I, I would say it is. Um, you know, it's certainly I. You know, I can remember some years where you're you're trying to figure out where Sunday is. Who can I? put in there that'll get outs rather than I've got these six or seven or eight guys that all could fill this role. So who's going to step up and be the best out of that group. And and I think that's something that is a luxury that we haven't had in a lot of years past. 
Um, you know, is it going to be a, is it going to be on a par with uh, uh, Nick Stocks, uh, Blair Barnes and John McDonald? I, you know, I, I think this staff is, is really, really good. Um, I, we just got to let some of this play out before we, we, we actually throw them into the fire and say where they, where they line up with uh, some of those other ones that we've seen over the years. Understood. You, you don't want to make that declaration after a weekend series, Lulu? All no, right, no, I, I, I'm not quite ready for that yet. I, I, I do think I do think Chase Delauder probably has a high opinion of the pitching staff after the weekend he had here in Tallahassee, and that's a, a kid for James Madison who uh, people are projecting to be picked in the first ten picks of the draft. Yeah, he had a tough go of it, and FSU was the reason why. Who do you think is going to wind up being the Sunday starter when we're you know six weeks from now and we're getting into conference play, or you know a few weekends into conference play? Well, I, I've always uh, I've always been very high on Ross Dunn. I remember texting people in between innings um, in between his you know first few pitches that he threw uh, and, and even going back before the season started last year about what I thought about him. Um, so I've always been very high on him. Uh, Meat said after the, the Sunday game uh, when, when Dunn started that one, um, it, it was just a, a tempo issue really with his lower body uh, that was causing him to miss pitches high and everything he missed was in the same spot. And that's usually – a mechanical thing when you see somebody always missing to the same area. Uh, so if they get that worked out, I, you know, he's a guy I know uh, meet and I were talking off the air before the game uh, Sunday. And, uh, you know, he, he, he thought Ross maybe had given up six, uh, three hits in all of his preseason scrimmages, uh, all of his preseason scrimmage appearances. So he, he's a guy certainly uh, who's got the stuff to do it. It's can he get the, the mechanics working the right way so he's throwing strikes and has command of the strike zone. Uh, but, you know, if he and I do think that he's I do think that he's probably that guy. Um, but but if he can't get that done, uh, you know, you've got uh, Carson Montgomery who can step up in that role. Uh, you, you've got all kinds of guys who can step into that. So I, I don't think it's a, a big concern uh, because, one, I do think that he'll get it worked out. And two, there are other guys who can step in. Lulu, it's way early, but the, the proverbial question comes about we're, we're at the tail end and getting ready for the postseason in basketball, and everyone's critical of the ACC about being uh, down from a basketball standpoint. Where do you see them in the, in the baseball scenarios? I know it's early, but what's your take <laughs> on where the ACC is there? Well, you know, every year you can count on Louisville to be one of the top teams in the country, and um, – they had a rough opening weekend by Louisville standards, but I expect them to be very good because they always are. Uh, they have been so steady under Dan McDonald the, the entire time that he's been there. Uh, so I expect them to be very good. Uh, NC State, you know, they're coming off a season when they went to the College World Series, and, and they're like everybody else. You've got some guys coming back. You've got some guys replaced. Well, one of the one of the new guys they've got there, he had a, a, a decent uh, opening weekend um, he, he had nine hits, uh, five of them were home runs and drove in 12, 12 runs. And he's a freshman. Sounds um, like you. Sounds like you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he had three home runs in his first college game and they all were out to center field. So it's not like he, you know, he got a cheap home run here or there. He, he hit, he hit five home runs in a weekend. Uh, so NC state looks like they're going to be very good. Notre Dame's got, I, I think seven position players back and, uh, all but maybe two or three of their pitchers on a team that that was very close to being a college world series team and uh matter of fact uh, they lost the series to us last year up 
in Notre Dame. And I think that was the only home series they lost in ACC play last year and ended up running away with the Atlantic division. Uh, the other side of things, Miami has been recruiting very well. I expect them to be very tough this year. Um, Georgia Tech has always got a bunch of talent. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think this is going to be a very tough year in the ACC. I, I think there's some some very strong teams. You know, we, we saw Pitt, a much improved Pitt team last year. Uh, can they keep that going? It's I, I think you've gotten to a point where there really isn't there, there really isn't uh, a weekend where you just go, okay, we can we can take a breath. We've got an easy series. This is going to be a piece of cake. You know, our, our boy Tyler Holt up there at Boston College now uh, helping them out too. So, well, I think you got that at Georgia conference. Tech. You got that at Notre Dame. I mean, there's an yeah. FSU influence everywhere. Is there not? Uh, yeah, you, you've got uh, well, and Chris Hart up at uh, NC State too. Their third base coach and recruiting coordinator. So, forgot about him. Forgot about him. Yeah. So yeah, you've got uh, you've got three head coaches now off of the Mike Martin tree, and uh, uh, you mentioned James Ramsey and Tyler Holt and Chris Hart. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of FSU influence in this this conference presently. I, I saw the Rammer when uh, I was up with the basketball team in Atlanta, and I know that's where he's from. It still seems weird though to see him wearing the uh, different colors, you know, than garnet gold. The easy weekend, Lulu, that went to the Big Ten when Maryland departed. By the way, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, but you know, it, like it, like Pitt has been that weekend, but you know they're not an easy weekend anymore. Notre Dame has been that weekend; they're not an easy weekend anymore. Uh, Boston College has been that weekend and, and and you know they've gotten better so i i just i i don't think that i, I don't think that duke you know duke's another one uh, duke's a team that that uh, they're flirting with regionals and super regionals every year now so i they won the acc tournament last year so so i i just that that easy weekend just doesn't exist anymore lulu we'll wrap it up on this but i was out there on uh sunday was the only game i got to this past weekend and I, I had seen the pictures on social media, but uh, what do you think about the, uh, the the garnet wall out there? Oh, I think it looks fantastic. Yeah, me I, too. My, my first my first opinion on it was, wow, th- this looks great. I, I had trouble envisioning. You know, I was trying to look at the pads, and then I'm thinking signs, and I'm thinking, you know, like we've had before, where it's been signs draped on green padding. So I was trying to envision that, but they actually painted the signs directly onto the pads, which I, I think looks fantastic. Uh, I, I think that's a huge improvement. So it's not just that the garnet pads are, are an improvement over the green, the way they did the signs this year, I think are a huge improvement as well. Uh, my, my one comment, my one wish list to really, I, I think, pull that whole thing in is to paint the screen out there and paint that garnet. So you have garnet screen to go with the garnet, the garnet wall. Now I, I think that would look fantastic, but uh, I, I definitely like the look of the garnet pads. Well, you know the right people to get that done, so I'll, I'll count on I, you to make a few phone I, calls. And I've I've already put in my uh, I, I've already put in my opinion on that. I, I've made that known. I've voiced it uh, to the to the people that that need to know. And uh, <laughs> and one of those people, actually two of those people, they they said yes. I I had already thought about the same thing. So. Uh, hopefully that's something that's going to be taken under consideration. But, you know, it's easy for me to say it because I don't know what that costs. I, I have no earthly idea. I mean, you could tell me it's $20. You could tell me it's 250000 and I'd go, okay, sounds about right. <laughs> we'll just I, I, let I mean, you I, write the check. I, I, I we'll just let oh. you write the check. <laughs> well, well writing, writing the check isn't the problem. 
<laughs> Making sure it clears. Is that the problem? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Eric Lou Allen, the voice of the uh, Seminole baseball team. Lulu, look forward to your calls this year. It looks like to me, there seems to be renewed uh, energy and excitement behind this baseball team. So I think it's going to be a fun year. Thank, thanks for joining yeah, us. The, the, yeah, and the crowds this past weekend were, were fabulous uh, opening weekend at Hauser. Uh, it, it, was, it was really great to see all that again. Well, Lulu, you're, you're awesome in what you do. I know you're much better than now that Tom doesn't have to weigh you down. So we'll just pull for you. <laughs> On that note, we'll take a break. More Front Row Knowles after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom Block, Keith Jones. We'll open up that Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. And say hello to Bob Frant there, Osceola Insider. Hey, Bob, how are you? It's going well. How are you guys? I'm good. I'm good. Even though the college football playoffs are not going to expand as quickly as we liked, I I think this is a sign uh, perhaps that I'm a a homer for the ACC, which I don't know that I really am. Perhaps that I'm – just jaded from being around it too long, but I actually really wasn't that upset about it only because it's only setting us back three years. If this was setting us back 30 years. Okay. But three years to figure it out. It it didn't really bother me as much as kind of what the media or the, the social media outcry was. What about you? Yeah, I think it drew a lot of attention over the weekend, you know, Friday announcement and all that. I, I think in the end, you know, Jim Phillips was among the commissioners who was pushing for, you know, let's address some of the current issues, NIL, transfer portal. Um, does a recruiting calendar need to be adjusted? Do you need to close some windows with the portal, for example? Because right now it's pretty much wide open. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a lot of current things that college football commissioners or shouldn't call them college football commissioners, conference commissioners are, are kind of looking at. So I get it. I, I just think fundamentally it's flawed. You've got a power five. You only have four seats at the table. The numbers never are going to add up. But but I think long term, the TV money is going to open up uh, in a couple of years, and, and we'll kind of see this thing break open to whatever number ends up being eight, 10, 12. I think one of the interesting things, too, guys, is, is the ratings that the NFL has got, gathered with their playoffs and the Super Bowl. And, you know, once we get back to a little more uh, uh, non-COVID related issues in the 2022 season you know there is some legitimacy to saying that maybe maybe just maybe it was better to wait until the end of this contract tv contract period to do anything although there are all those out there who said you know we should go ahead and do it now and see what happens yeah i think when it comes back to you know college athletics i I mean david hill mentioned it on, on your show a few weeks back it is hard to get anybody in a room to come to an agreement on just about anything. So the thought of, Hey, let's come to an agreement on how many teams should be in a playoff when you should do it, where you should do it, how it works on the calendar, um, how it works within an academic semester or, or a quarter system. I, I just think they're, they're trying to figure out a lot of various things. Um, look, I, I love on campus college athletics right now. That's coming back so strong, you know, post COVID has been incredible. We're seeing packed gyms, um, you know, even down in, in St. Pete at a, at a neutral, you know, with the softball tournament, that event was incredible. 
for college softball to have that kind of stage on a Sunday night, you know, primetime ESPN. So I think there's an appetite for good matchups, for, for good, high-quality sports in person on TV. It's just how do you do it right and, and how do you agree to how to do it? Speaking of which, the, 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 the softball uh, movement, the softball inertia has just absolutely exploded, has it not? It is such a fun sport to watch in person. And it's everybody wants to say how wonderful it is on TV. I keep repeating, go to the fields, go to the ballparks. It's even better. And the experience, you know, at Joanne Graff Field, whether you're lucky enough to get a seat or if you're on a berm or the parking garage, it, it's a really fun, cozy atmosphere. And, and Lonnie's got a great group of girls between the returning players and, and the, the transfers. This feels very much like a top five team that's uh, that's incredibly competitive and having fun. They've built good chemistry yet again. This is this is going to be a fun team that, that we think is is, you know, legitimately going to going to potentially win an ACC title and and uh, make another run to Oklahoma City. They play FAMU tonight as they look to remain unbeaten. Uh, Bob, we procrastinated long enough, but we're four and a half minutes into this conversation. So I guess we should talk about basketball right now. But it was it was certainly a tough weekend for Leonard's team. And I don't I don't really uh, the, the same question I asked you last week or a couple weeks ago is going through my mind again after watching what played out this weekend. And that is even if you somehow could get into the NIT, which is looking slimmer by the moment because they got to finish above 500 and they're running out of opportunities. It just feels like the tank is empty with having to go so far down. And, and I'm talking physically and mentally and, and, and a break might be best for this group. Yeah. It was one thing I was worried about was just, you know, you don't have enough guys to run out there every night to play the, the high intensity of, of defense and, and really play at a high level that, that Ham expects to, to win games in the ACC. I, I think the NIT dream was, was all along, you have to beat Pitt at home and you have to win up at Boston College. And losing both of those, um, it puts you in an, just an awful spot as far as getting to at least 500, then going up to Brooklyn and seeing what the matchup looks like up there. I think the projection right now is Syracuse, which um, not the worst matchup for, for Florida State, all things considered, honestly. but. Yeah, it's it's tough to criticize a team right now down four starters, but it felt like against BC, this was a team that was just kind of lethargic, just didn't have that that gas in the tank to, to put up much of a fight against honestly a, a BC team that was probably seven deep wasn't wasn't very good, wasn't very deep overall either. Though the effort may be uh, questionable against BC, that first half against Duke, you could not fault the effort. I, I was stunned. I, I was just really, really impressed with how they, they brought it. I thought Jalen Worley had his best half of basketball easily, easily. I mean, they were, they were in it till about a minute or two before halftime and, and things just kind of um, just, just went south and, and Duke was able to take a good lead there at the half. But to see guys play that well in their first, you know, true road, um, crazy, crazy setting up at Duke with the crazies, to see them play that well, I think was encouraging. And these are, these are building blocks for guys like, you know, Jalen Worley, Matthew Cleveland, we're seeing Cam Fletcher play, you know, really, really well. These last couple of games bring some, some good energy. I think um, it's good for those guys. Long-term the, the short term is, is the pain. And Leonard Hamilton has addressed that pretty consistently. You're, you're dealing with a lot of pain as you're playing guys more minutes than you want to 
longer rotations on the court than you want to. You're just, you just don't have that many choices. You, you really don't have anybody else to sub in down the bench. It, it's, it's a tough situation. You can see the talent for the freshman though. And, and Worley had a, had a good weekend and against BC, I thought I, he didn't score many points against BC. And, and part of this is it's Boston college, but part of it, he's been more assertive and aggressive lately. Uh, you can see he's got good vision. I mean, he was starting to penetrate and make some passes, and uh, uh, it's almost opposite of Cleveland. Uh, Worley needs to become a little bit better finisher at the basket, and Cleveland needs to become a little bit better with his. Uh, he's not shy to to pull the trigger on a mid range shot, but he, <laughs> but 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 not many have been going through. <laughs> yeah, it, it's growing pains. It, it really is. I mean, you're seeing you're seeing the flaws in each of them, and they're making first year player mistakes. I think Coach Hamilton has, ex- has accepted that that's what he's going to see, but he's also seeing that hey, you've got to throw them out there, and they've they've got to try and execute the half court offense. They've they've got to do the best they can to find the best looks. You know, against BC, I, I think honestly, besides the turnovers, and there were nineteen of them, there were some really good looks. There really were some good opportunities, and and they just weren't knocking down jumpers, and then. I think they just got into desperation mode at, at points there in the second half and just weren't running the second, uh, you know, the half court offense really well. But yeah, again, I, I think you see reasons to be optimistic for next season. It, it's just two out of two out of us who are, are kind of focused on what's what's the now, what's going to happen for March Madness. It's hard to to feel good about what you're seeing when when the teams dropped. I think it's now nine of ten, right? And, and though they have performed better, this, a similar thing could be say to, said about the ladies' side on the court. Uh, they, they've shown some great flashes, but consistency's been an issue for Coach Sue and her group. Yeah, I don't remember the exact numbers, but they have not had a what you call a bad loss in terms of the the, the net and the quadrant wins and, and quadrant losses and all that. They've They've kind of snuck up on a couple of teams, you know, obviously beating Notre Dame. And that was a, that was a huge one for them. They haven't suffered that. Oh my goodness. How'd they lose to that team? And it was by how many points. So they've, they've played pretty competitive. I, I think, um, you know, Sue has often said kind of trust the process and part of the process has been leaning on the point guard play and seeing how the point guards develop. And it's, it's a team that I think, again, same thing. You, you see those bright stars for the future. Um, on the women's side, I do think you're going to see a, a considerable amount of roster turnover just because you, you've got some, some seniors, um, you've got some girls who, who aren't playing as much. They might decide to enter the transfer portal. So, you know, similar conversation with some of the guys on the men's side, you know, you know Quincy Ballard's not played all that much either. So, um, I, I think we're, we're looking at two basketball programs. When you look ahead to the following season, there's going to be some definite, you know, roster change and, and figuring out what are the right pieces for the future. This is a little inside baseball, but related to, to women's basketball, uh, Vanessa Fuchs moving on as the senior women's administrator. I just, uh, she was uh, at North Carolina the weekend prior, not that she would disclose to me that she was in the hunt for something like that, but that seems like a good opportunity. And at the same time, a big loss for FSU. Yeah, it's, obviously a lot of people know this, but she played, you know, for Coach Sue early on in, in her years at Florida State. And, you know, Vanessa's been at the NCAA and at Florida State, I believe, for about 12 years now. And and she's found a really good job where she's going to be able to stay in Tallahassee, but, you know, work for a, a national, you know, committee that's that's really going to spark, um, you know, women's coaches and, and kind of foster 
you know, those, those relationships and, and build, build young coaches. So I think Vanessa is a, a high quality person and she's really done a lot for, for women's sports in general around Florida state and, and the nation. So I'm happy for her, you know, Florida state will, will miss her and lose her, but uh, I think she'll do a lot of good on the national scene. ACC championships going down this weekend, uh, indoor track, uh, which Florida state actually does fairly well in considering that, they don't have an indoor track and they don't, they don't put together their roster to compete. The, the, uh, I mean, you could say the sprints are the sprints, but the events are, are a little bit different indoor and they don't build the roster that way. But uh, what should we expect this weekend? Do you think? Yeah, it's tough training here in, in Tallahassee where it's, you know, reasonably warm. And then you're going to fly up to Blacksburg where it's going to be very, very cold and, and, and rainy. And then you try to work with that indoor track. I, I think they've got, some folks who are, are going to challenge their own personal best, their own school best. You know, Trey Cunningham is the best 60 meter hurdler out there in the nation. Um, you know, Lauren Ryan, one of the best 3,000, 5,000 meter runners, and, and Adrian Wildshut, who's been, um, you know, a, a top notch cross country runner as well as in those distance events for the for the men's track team. So, you know, they've they've got the chance to really make some noise. I think, especially on the men's side, you know, maybe with a podium finish, but. Um, I think Bob Brain is really optimistic for what they can do up in Blacksburg. On the football side, Bob, we're finishing up. Uh, I think it's, it's referred to as the tour of duty, and there'll be some uh, public uh, witnessing of what's going on in Florida State getting ready for beginning uh, on the field for spring ball. It just, it still to me seems too early, too early to be out on the field for spring practice, but it's right upon us. Yeah, no complaints, man. We we can literally say it's going to come next week when uh, when spring football practice starts over on the field. It'll be next Saturday, March fifth. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing some of the tour of duty workouts. I know those guys will be looking forward to the end of tour of duty workouts so that they can maybe move on to something a little bit uh, a little bit easier and, and later in the morning, not having to wake up so early to uh, to run around for Coach Storms. Keith, when you played spring ball was in May. Is that right? We began May 1st. The spring game was at the end of May, and we did not get out of school till the end of June. And those last two weeks were wonderful because we didn't have to do anything. We actually got to be college students for two weeks at the beginning of June. Amazing. And then right back in Tallahassee, April, excuse me, August 15th. Oh, so you got a whole six weeks off. Eight weeks. Eight weeks. Okay. Big eight weeks. All Full right. eight weeks. Big eight weeks. Back in the day, of course, it was your team that that started the whole "Let's play Florida on a Friday." You know that started back in your era. So we don't even want to go there. All right, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Appreciate you joining us as always, sir. Have a good one. You too. Take care, Bob Ferrante, our Osceola Insider. We'll come back and wrap up Front Row Knowles right after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Back on Front Row Knowles, one segment to go. Tom and KJ back with you once more. Keith? chance to react to any and take uh, opposition anything lulu and bob said anything stand out not at all uh very excited about the baseball team with their arms unbelievably impressed with what lonnie and the ladies have been able to do with the softball team 
you know, echoing everyone's disappointment with injuries on Leonard's side and inconsistency on Sue's side relative to basketball. But we got spring ball coming up for football. And, um, you know, we start uh, redoing that circle about optimism and uh, positive and that type of thing uh, relative to the football program. And we'll just see where it takes us. I'm excited. We talked about it at the time. But this is where it'll be noticeable. So many guys are in school, either directly from high school or and everybody from the transfer portal came in. They're going to have a lot of bodies out there. And I, I well, the two th- the two areas that people are going to be most excited about, I would think, are probably watching the the receivers to see what you got there, and then watching the new defensive end who transferred in to see if you think you got something legitimate there. Agreed. And 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 again, we've talked about the fact that you know. Not too many years ago, your high school freshmen came in over the summer, very few enrolled early, and we didn't even have a transfer portal. So the fact that you're getting, what was it, 21 or 22 kids early, and they're, they've been able to go through the tour of duty. They've been with Coach uh, Sweaters relative to the, to the winter, uh, what we used to call winter workouts in the weight room. Um, you know, getting an advantage and learning the, the procedures and how things work. Uh, I'm excited about spring ball. Of course, we're always excited about spring ball. This is the time when everyone's undefeated and everybody's going to play for the national championship. And I will say we had the conversation. I'm a little bit disappointed that the playoff wasn't expanded, but I get it. So it's going to be interesting three years down the road when we see what actually happens relative to who gets into the playoff. I saw one comment. I think it was Matt Hayes, college football writer, who said, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but the gist of it was uh, the ACC better be careful because the SEC might just have its own playoff when all this is said and done and then play everybody else. And I thought I'd actually take that right now because at least then it's SEC versus somebody else instead of SEC versus SEC. That's a guaranteed path for somebody else to get in there. Something to be said for that. There's no question. Something to be said. But I would remind ourselves that all the time I've been around, the the near 50 years I've been around college football, everything is cyclical. And and this is going to change too. In two, three, five years from now, we potentially are going to be talking about something different. So, you know, buckle up the chin strap, put the seatbelts on. Well, you just you just don't know where this is going to go. No doubt that we'll talk about something different. Just as a couple of years ago it was an arms race, and we talked all about facilities. Nobody's talked about facilities since NIL came into play. It's all about NIL and transfer portal right now. But exactly. the one thing that's been constant in there is is how do you keep up with the disparity in revenue? And we still have not found the answer to that one at this point. At least I haven't. You are correct. Uh, But again, I go back to conversations we've had. If if your television revenue is 50 million and, and, and what, what are you going to get with that other 10 or 20 million? You know, what, what do you change going from 50 to 60 or 50 to 70? Now, if you're at 10 or 15, then going to 30 is a lot of money. But when you're already at 50, what else do you need with that other 10 or 15 or 20? I I haven't been able to get my hands around that or my head around that particular part of it. Well, I hear you. The problem is the ACC is not at 50 going to 70. Agreed and acknowledged. Agreed and acknowledged. I know, I know what you're saying. Your point is, if you've got the big, nice house, what else do you need to add to the big, nice house that already has the pool and everything else in it is what you're saying. 
Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just continue to worry about the disparity and I, I continue to not see any way that people would ever be aligned to make a decision for the good of college football. Cause that, cause that is my bigger concern about it is just, there, there's such a gap that it hurts the sport and the interest overall in the sport when it's just a handful of teams that are going to be there at the end. And I don't know how you get past that. We'll see as the things move forward. But I do think expansion of the playoff, some guarantees relative to conference championships, because I still believe a conference championship has merit, trying to find a way to get two or three additional clubs in from the lower levels is going to do what the basketball tournament did when they went from 32 to 48 to 64. And that's what created all the interest that we're all getting ramped up for as it relates to March Madness. Although just speaking candidly, March Madness isn't as quite as uh it's more maddening and it's not as exciting when, uh, when the Knowles are, are struggling as has been the case this year. Um, for us personally, you are correct. My two cents on that anyway. All right, well, the baseball team will be back in action again this weekend, back at home, hopefully some more glorious weather. Uh, appreciate Eric Allen joining us. He's been calling games since, uh, I think, 2007 now. So those those years are starting to mount uh, for Lulu there. He's appreciate beginning Bob. to show his age, but his voice is still very strong. There you go. Appreciate Bob Frante joining us as always. Uh, we do this weekly. Thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in. Uh, he's Keith. I'm Tom, and this is Front Row Knowles.